Dave, I got a question for you. All right, true. Okay. If you went to the combine, what do you think would be your best activity? Um, water break. That's okay. that's the only thing I can really do here. I, I, I'm not fast. I'm not strong. Uh, I can't jump high. I'm not agile, and I'm not quick. Is there anything else? I mean, maybe, maybe the throwing portion, because they kind of just like have you huck up deep balls anyway. Okay. Well, let's ask our guests. We have uh, Chris Mason of Mass Live. Uh, Chris, thank you for joining us. What would be your best activity at the Combine? Uh, that's a tough one. Maybe maybe three cone. That's not like a lot of running, and it's just kind of being shifty. So, And you know, if I did well in the three cone, you probably get a contract with the Patriots, right? Because true. Bill Belichick <laughs> love that more than anything. It's true. So I guess I go three cone. It's a good oh, point. Probably better than cones. Hmm. I... Well, I think what Dave said is probably accurate for me. I don't think I would do well at any of them. Um, I would probably, you know what I would do really well as if you could stand on the back of those things that people tackle, I would do that. I'd be really <laughs> good at that because I would just get to stand there and with, withstand the force of Aaron Donald, which I couldn't, I mean, I would die, but you know, I could try. Jesus. I could try. At least in my free run, I'm just going to embarrass myself. I'm not going to die. Or I could do yeah. the old, I could do the old Rich Eisen forty yard dash too. I could try. <laughs> I could try. Just Looks like Tom Brady there. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I could do worse. I once got into an actual verbal argument with somebody in college because I told them I could beat out Jose Molina in a run to first base, and they were like, "He's a he's a major league baseball player, bro." And I'm like, "Yeah, but he's slow as hell. I could beat him. Come on, Jose Molina yeah, runs like he's in molasses." As somebody that spent three years on the Red Sox beat, there are probably some baseball, like professional baseball players you could beat that are just, you know, they're, they're athletes, but they're baseball players. And <laughs> right. And some, <laughs> the of them, there. <laughs> some of them are too fast. Um, but yes, yeah, so we got Chris Mason on. We're going to talk a little bit of Patriots before we get into our main topic today. So, uh, Chris, I read your piece about Josh McDaniels today. Very good. And, uh, I have to ask, do you think he's still on the Patriot staff when September rolls around? I do at this point. And it's interesting that his name has not really come up in the coaching carousel at all this time around, which, you know, you start to wonder, did he wait too long if he's no longer like a hot name on the market? And it's really interesting to look at. You can look at like his 2020 season from a couple perspectives. Like, I think it's a fascinating argument. Did it help him or did it hurt him? Because on the one hand, the Patriots offense was not good this year. On the other hand, if you look at what was there and the fact that they won seven games with that talent, it's like, does that speak to what Josh is doing? So you can look at it, you can look at it a couple of different ways. But, you know, for what has been like 10 years now that he's just passed on these head coaching opportunities. And I'm sure the way he passed on the Colts, like left him at the altar, I'm sure that still is in the back of some teams' minds. Um, so at this point, I do think he'll be back here. You know, I think if he got offered the Chargers job, he would take it. I mean, I think if he got offered the Jaguars job, he would take it. But I don't think either of those offers are coming. Yeah, I, I read your piece, and I agree. I think those teams are are the tops. I mean, it's I, I laughed at the uh, the Houston Texans portion because it's very true. Uh, the pros is Deshaun Watson, and there's really nothing else there that would appeal to you. Um, I mean, that's a big pro, uh, unless he really is trying to force his way out of town, which I cannot blame him, because why on earth wouldn't you want to get out of that situation? Um, I mean, can we talk about the Jack Easterby thing for a second? Oh I'm fascinated by that. It, it is so bizarre and, like, mystifying. And how do you go from Team Chaplin to the guy that's pulling the strings for an entire organization? It's incredible. I I wish. I uh, Sorcery? I mean, is he a wizard? Like, 
Does, he does might he, be. No spells? Like, that's the only thing I could possibly think of that would... I mean, I wouldn't rule it out at this point. I just... It, it, it's sort of like it's sort of like the idea of, like, designated survivor, except no one died and no one was, fi- no one was like, pushed out. They literally just got fired and somehow he got promoted above everyone else that knows football. Like, all the scouts, all the, uh, the executives, everyone. And just very obviously has gotten the owner's ear with Cal McNair, where, like... Um, Casario wasn't on the like list of finalists that the search term the search people had. Like they had five names, Nick Casario was not one of them, and Nick Casario still gets the job. Like they poured what it's got to be hundreds of thousand dollars into this search, and then it's like, nah, I'm gonna go with what Jack said. We're we're, we're going with Casario. It's it's so confounding, especially since Houston's the only team I read that didn't interview Eric Bieniemy, and I'm like. Like he, it's like him and Brian Dayball, like the two big names out there, and you don't even give him a chance. Like, not like he would pick your team anyway. Why would he? Like, you're the worst situation in football. Like, you could argue they're worse than the Jets. At least they have Deshaun Watson, but they're just as much of a mess. And it's it's just a shame. I don't. I mean, I said the enemy might end up in San Diego. I do think Brian Dayball is kind of like a match made in heaven there now because everybody seems to be on that train. But mm-hmm. Houston at this point. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't even know. I mean, I know Joe Brady's name has been floated out there. I don't even know where Houston goes from here. I know we we're supposed to talk Patriots, but Houston's such a fascinating situation because that team is a dumpster fire other than one player. Exactly, and it's like how much can that one player make up for it? And, like, will it change? I'll let it because, I mean, that contract's no joke. You know, like six years, $30 million, can be up to 36 I saw reported. Like, they're all in on that guy, and obviously – you want to you think McDaniel's has been biding his time. Casario's been here for twenty years, right? Like he's like he's certainly waited to pick his spot. Um, the one thing I will add to McDaniel's though is that like, and while we're on the topic of people pulling strings, is I had at the end of that story that I wrote. Um, but after the draft, Peter King asked Justin Herbert, "Who impressed you with the draft? Who out of and anyone that you met with at the draft?" And he said McDaniels with the Patriots. Like, I've always loved his offense, and he really impressed me. So, if you know, if we're talking franchise quarterbacks and one that might have a little input on it, I wonder what that does for McDaniels' chances there. I also wonder what would have happened if Belichick had traded up for once in his life and tried to get Justin Herbert. But things we'll never know, I guess. Um, speaking of quarterbacks, Chris, uh, if you had to put – we did this the other night on the podcast – if you had to say realistically and dream scenario who the quarterback is for the Patriots next year, who are your answers? Realistically, week one, I mean, there's a reason this is like the Vegas odds on favorite. Like right now it's probably someone in-house. It's probably Stidham. Hmm. I think there's still a chance that they would can back. I am thinking fascinating because, you know, he still wants to be a starter. And it's obvious. They love him. He's limited. They love his leadership. He didn't do much. There's so many factors. But then it's like, is Ron Rivera going to give him a starting opportunity in Washington, you know, based on their history? Would Cincinnati give him a pretty good offer? Because they're going to need someone to, like, keep the seat warm for Joe Burrow. You know, you're going to have a couple months there with that knee injury where he could start. I mean, realistically, I think it's going to be someone in-house just because I actually had I don't even know that that's real. It's like, that's, that's the best odds. I would say like, yeah. it's one of those situations where it's like, you really have no idea because there's so many different ways they could go. Belichick's dream scenario, I think would probably be Jimmy, right? Like <laughs> the 49ers part ways, like he loves Jimmy. That's not like hyperbolic. Like the, the relationship those two have is pretty like 
pretty solid. There's a reason that Bill's still texting Jimmy after like he's traded and everything. And if you look at that contract, I mean, I know everything the 49ers have said is Jimmy's our quarterback, Jimmy's our quarterback, yada, yada, yada. But what else can they say at this point? Right. right. Where are they going? Oh, well, we don't really know. Like I'm going to shoot myself in the foot and lose all of this leverage. Um, but I mean, they can cut him for nothing. That contract is amazing. It's like the exact opposite of the Kirk Cousins contract where like that, that's a name that pops up and it's like, no, he's not moving anywhere. If you look at the dead cap and like first his cap hit and then the dead cap money, that contract is a nightmare. The one name that's very interesting to me is Matt Stafford. Yeah. I would love to see what Matt Stafford could do with a competent organization, you know, not just being like lampooned in Detroit forever. His contract's a little trickier, but it, it's definitely not as bad as Cousins. It's not as good as Jimmy. It's somewhere in the middle where like Lions, if he's moved, the Lions are going to have to eat some dead cap. So you'd probably have to throw a sweetener in there, like a pretty good one. But I mean, really, we're into uncharted waters here. Yeah, and I think you're either going to see I, – I, I think realistically, my answer was realistically either Jimmy G or just some rookie quarterback. And then my dream scenario was Matt Stafford, but my super dream scenario was if Dak Prescott would find his way here, which would warm my heart so much because I love Bill, Dak Prescott. Bill thinks very, very highly of Dak. Like – Bill, like, you know, gushes about everyone. He does that. But there are certain times when, like, you listen to enough Bill, you're like, oh, this is, like, a different level of, like, Bill praise. He's gotten that level. Like, there aren't that many quarterbacks that I can think of to get, like, next level Bill praise. Russell Wilson was one of them, too. Like, but Dak is in that category of – and Watson gets it, too. Like, Bill definitely, like, really appreciates Watson's game. But I don't think the Cowboys are going to let him leave. Like, I mean, if you saw what they put on the field this year without him, uh, they need him. He's – He's their meal ticket. But I mean, only it's only like only Jerry Jones is signing the running back to like a franchise deal for like putting all that money out there before getting the franchise quarterback done. It's like, where are your priorities? Like we need to get Zeke done. It's like, you need to get the quarterback done. It's 2021 now. Like this is a quarterback driven league as you saw in new England this year. Yeah. No brainer. Yeah. And he's cost himself a lot with Dak too. Every year he gets, he gets more like, <laughs> He gets more leverage every year, and he gets it's it's all like adage like you got to pay someone now because the market value, especially in the NFL, just goes up every year. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, wait on a quarterback, especially. I actually had a really interesting thought the other day. We already we already talked about it a little bit, but McDaniel's if he moves on, say somehow he gets interested in a job or somehow he, he ends up taking one, which maybe he becomes a candidate once two or three of these jobs close up and they wanted a new guy. Who is the offensive coordinator? Because they had. They had a few options, and Jed Fish just went to Arizona. Uh, I've seen Adam Gase thrown out there, which would be really, really interesting. But uh, I, I had thought about like maybe like a Chip Kelly if he got released from his contract, if they fired him. I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, I mean, Jed was like the logical like next one up, and he's gone. So it doesn't feel like it's going to be somebody internal at this point. You know, like that's part of the reason why they brought Jed in as quarterbacks coach. I think was as insurance, but. I mean, then if you look at Jed's history, I mean, he's probably coached for like 50 teams in 20 years or something. Like, go to his Wikipedia page and just scroll through the organizations. It's incredible. Like, he doesn't stay in one place for a very long time. Hopefully he changes that in Arizona and gets real comfortable there and does well. He's a nice guy. But it's like you look at that Wikipedia, you're like, oh, man. You think, you uh, think Jed Fish is, uh, is trying to pull off the interim coaching job next year if Cliff Kingsbury gets the boot? <laughs> 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 he might try and weasel his way back up to the pros. Who knows? Good. But 
I mean, Kelly is definitely an interesting name to look at. Um, it's, it's tough because there's somebody out there. And, like, I think the gay stuff is, like, there's some some interest there, too, where, like, I don't know. It's There's, there's so many different ways they could go. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of different ways. And, and like you said before about players, like, Ace just has that special, like, connection with Belichick for whatever reason. Every time he talks, about him, he gushes about him. He thinks, he's, he thinks he's awesome, but it's so strange because it's coming about a guy that really his only good seasons managing an offense were paid Manning led. Oh, yeah, and you look at, like, Tannehill after he got away from Gase. You look at Darnold and how his career has progressed. And I know that has blown up a lot because Gates said the thing about Bill calling him after he got fired by the Dolphins. But I think Bill does a lot more of that than people realize, like, behind the scenes. I think around the league, I, I do think he talks to a lot of people like that and, like, has done that for a lot of different coaches and not just Adam Gates. I think Gates is probably just one of the only ones that's, like, mentioned it on conference call. Um, I don't know where they'd go. Uh I mean, I guess I don't think we'll be answering the question now because it doesn't look like Josh is generating too much interest. But, I mean, yeah, there, it's it's always fascinating with Belichick. So, first of all, I'm realizing now Dave means Arizona the college. I did not realize that for a moment. I'm assuming that's what you meant, Dave, right? Yeah. Okay. Arizona yeah. Wildcat. Right. So, yeah, that was my bad on that one. Uh, st- I'm not going to put that out in post because this is live, so it won't even matter. Um, second of all, uh, Chris, if you were to say who the most valuable player was on this Patriots team, who would you pick? Are we talking like most valuable? So let me, let me rephrase, let me, let me rephrase. So if you, if I said you have to take one player off this Patriots roster, you're going to have to rebuild around this player. No one else. This one player, you're going to have to start fresh from everybody else. Who's the player you'd pick? See, that's why it, that's where it gets tough because immediately I'm thinking like most val- like most valuable, I always like have the connotation with most outstanding because I think that's like what that award is really, right? Is right. most outstanding. Right. And the first one that comes to mind is Joe Tooney. Yeah. And then it's like, all right, but you're not going to build your franchise around a guard. Like that's not, <laughs> that's not how that works. I mean, it's interesting because typically you think like, of a position player to build around or even a really nasty tackle. And it's like, you look at the Patriots this year, they didn't have any of that. Like, and their best players defensively are getting older, right? Where you have, I mean, I think Stephon Gilmore is probably like still the most talented on that team, but you know, he's 30. I mean, JC Jackson has looked good in spurts, but like was kind of exposed when he got to that number one role. I mean, disrespect nine picks is nine picks that's a pretty nasty season no matter what but when he was asked to start covering the number one guy i think you saw some of his limitations um the most valuable player on the patriots roster right now might be uh hightower if you look at you know i think his departure probably affected them as much as brady's which is a crazy thing to say but i think it's true if you saw like how bad the run defense got this year how bad they were in coverage, like like trying to cover backs out in the flat, like linebackers in coverage. I think they probably missed him more than anyone. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, we saw that when um, I believe he was injured for the Eagles Super Bowl, and his, 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 his absence was definitely noticeable. I mean, he and Edelman not being on that field, 
Edelman maybe not so much because they still scored you know 35 plus points but Hightower not being there definitely the, the presence was felt he's such an unsung hero of this dynasty it's it's really anybody who still underrates him is it's just kind of sad because he's so important I mean Bill called him Mr. February right when you get that from Bill Belichick it's like okay <laughs> like you're a gamer I uh yeah, I mean, Oh, go ahead. the young guys go, though, if you're looking for someone to build around, I mean, Kyle Duggar was the most interesting to me this year. Um, I don't think there's enough tape on him to be like, this is a franchise player. But, you know, in the, you know, like as the season wore on, he looked okay in coverage. He looked like a rookie in coverage. But, man, playing the run, he could destroy some people. Like, <laughs> he was using and, and Yeah, go ahead, Dave. Oh, okay. Um, I was I was kind of curious because this team's obviously going to be very different next year. A lot of cap room, a lot of draft picks, certainly a lot of guys on one-year contracts or looking at retirement. Where do we stand as far as who do you think are some people that may retire? Because there's, there's a lot of them. There's Cannon. I mean, Hightower is likely back, but there's a chance he could. McCordy Brothers, Patrick Chung. I mean, there's a lot of them. So I've been fascinated to see that just based on like the opt-outs because there's always the old adage it's like, I, I was really curious to see how Gronk was this year, right? Because it's like, oh, a year away from the game. Like, does that rejuvenate you? Is his broken body better this year, or is he rusty as hell? And it almost seems like with Gronk, both of those things were true, right? Like, he started the season really slow, and has come on strong now. Like, would probably have, I don't know, had, like, the third most receptions on the Patriots this year, third or fourth, either way. But I mean, he got better down the stretch. We'll see how he is in the playoffs. So I was really curious with those opt-out guys. Like, I thought Chung was going to be one that would probably retire, but then he did a, uh, one of those Ask Me Anythings and said, no, I'm definitely going to be back. Like, I miss playing football so much. Like, this is a void in my life. Just because there have been Chung retirement rumors for a while, and, like, he's someone that is always just – his body's beat to hell, right? He's always playing through something, always hurt. But he'll be back, he said. I mean, of the opt-outs, I guess Cannon is the one that seems most likely to either um, retire or just – not be here next year. I haven't looked at his cap number yet, so I'm not sure what the dead cap would be with that. But um, you look at the offensive line as it is, and it's like he's not terribly necessary if you can put Mike on Wenu there or if you have some other solution. Yeah, absolutely. And then Devin, Devin McCourty said he's playing next year, which makes me wonder if that means Jason's playing next year. Jason's a free agent and Devin is not. I could see Jason coming back on kind of like a team-friendly deal and like a one more year with my brother type thing. Mm. Um, his cap hit this year was $5.5 million, so I think you'd have to knock that down a little, and especially if J.C. Jackson's getting the raise that you think and you only want to allocate so much to the position. That's before getting even in like all the Gilmore stuff, which he's not going to play at his cap number next year. That's just not realistic. Um. So yeah, a lot of gymnastics there. And Slater's somebody that might retire. He said he's gonna. He did. He did this last year too, but said I need to talk to my wife. I'm gonna pray on it for a while. And <laughs> he said, Coach Belichick told us never, never make decisions the day after the season, good or bad. Don't do it. So take take a month, take two months to figure it out. It's pretty wise policy. Um, as a side note, before we move on to our main topic, uh, Dave will tell you for years I swore up and down that Akeem Ayers made the tackle on Marshawn Lynch at the one-yard line. For years, I swore that up and down. And then finally, I watched the play again. I was like, oh, that was Dante Hightower. That wasn't Akeem Ayers. With a torn back, like, like the one arm. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. 
the most ferocious guy with one arm. <laughs> yep, the unheralded play from that Super Bowl. Absolutely. So uh, I did the the randomizer. So what we're gonna do is every player from the 2010 NFL Draft is available. Uh, we did I did a randomizer. So uh, Chris will have every Chris is the first pick. Then he'll have Washington's pick at number four, and then Cleveland's pick at number seven, so on and so forth. Dave has the second pick. He'll pick for the Lions. God bless him. I have the third pick. I'll pick for the Buccaneers, and then so on and so forth. So, uh, Chris, you have the first pick overall. The St. Louis Rams might not move to Los Angeles if you pick the right player. No pressure. Is it still Sam Bradford? It is not, (laughs) and they are going to start putting fans in the seats because they're going with Arizona product Rob Gronkowski, number one overall. I can't argue with that. He was number he was number two on my big board here. He's definitely an incredible talent. I mean, it's one of those guys where you don't really need to worry about who's thrown to him quite yet because as long as it's not Sam Bradford, you'll figure it out. Um, and even even the run blocking, yeah, maybe the best tight end of all time, just did everything well. Yeah, I mean, Dave and I were talking before you hopped on, Chris, but like, there's probably low end six, high end probably nine Hall of Famers in this list. So. Picking Gronk first, there's that's not exactly something I can argue with. There we go. Mm. I like right. it. Dave, you're on the clock. So the Lions. There's a, there's a few different directions I can go here, but uh, I'm going to go with someone that has been really good for a long time and hasn't had any issues and has been a great value. I'm going to take McCourty, number two, Devin McCourty. Wow. Just because I think when you look at some of the other guys, like Antonio Brown has had off-the-field stuff. Earl Thomas has been in and out of the lineup recently, not as long of a career. Trent Williams, same thing. Geno Atkins has been injured here and there. Barry's not a long career. So there's a lot of guys that have been really, really good, but McCourty's tenure and length of this career that he's been an all-pro at safety just makes it an easy pick for me. I wonder what the Lions culture does with Devin McCourty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can he turn that around? Because I don't know that there's – anyone like more respected in the Patriots locker room than Cordy, you know, when he, when he talks, they listen, maybe he turns that franchise around. Very that well would be real. They could, they could use someone to turn that franchise around. They've been waiting mm-hmm. 12 years. I mean, that'd be great though. Stafford and McCordy in back-to-back years. That'd be one hell of a haul. Uh, the question is, do they ever switch him to safety? They probably would have just given up on him after corner. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I would have traded him to Bill for like a fifth round pick. That's the difference. That's the difference. Yeah. Um, I like Van Noy. So I'm up for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and uh, you guys have gone really well with what you've done. <laughs> I'm just going to actually take the same person they took, and that's Gerald McCoy. I think that was actually a great pick by the Buccaneers. I think he is, if not on par, maybe even better than Ndamukong Sue. Uh, I think he's been a little bit more consistent, definitely a little less erratic. Um, and the guy's been a beast, so I'm actually going to stick with the same person to pick Gerald McCoy. The good pick. player. Solid. Fantastic player. Uh, Chris, you're back up picking for the Washington football team. So with WFT in mind, I think we're going to go with who I think is probably the most talented player available on the board still, and that's Earl Thomas. I mean, he could just run some things down, especially like obviously not playing now, but when they were the Legion of Boom secondary there, I mean, some of the routes he took, some of the, some of the plays he made, he's an unbelievable football player. Yeah. And you know, it surprised me that Cam Chancellor didn't make more all pro teams or more pro bowls. Cause I always remember him being kind of the enforcer, but Earl Thomas was definitely the more consistent player. 
And it was really mm-hmm. he and he and Richard Sherman were the guys leading that Legion of Boom. Cam Chancellor was also great, but he was definitely more of the hard hitting type. <laughs> but I, yeah. I, Earl Thomas was very very high on my draft board, so I can't blame the uh, Washington football team for taking someone who changes the culture there. <laughs> we got up next the Kansas City Chiefs. Dave, who is the quarterback of this team right now? Wouldn't it's Alex Smith, isn't it? Did was he traded there I, at that point? Uh, is it Castle? I think it's Castle. Oh, this is yeah. This is yeah. This would be Castle because the Patriots tra- because they extended Castle after the Patriots traded him because he had the one year where he had like thirty touchdowns and like ten interceptions. Yeah, great move. Very savvy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to overlook Antonio Brown here once more, and I'm going to go with Trent Williams. I think yeah. he's the best player left on the board. He's had really just an outstanding career. Um, if if he wasn't in Washington. I think he probably would get more notoriety because I think they've just been a huge dumpster fire. But he's been an all—he's been a stud left tackle for a long time, and he's super athletic. He mauls in the run game. He's a great pass protector, so he does everything. Very good. Was all was he? They haven't announced the All Pro teams yet, have they? No, no, yeah. But no, he probably—he he very well could be All Pro. He's been very good this year. He has even on a yeah. uh, losing San Francisco team, but you know these things happen. Uh, the Chiefs will be happy with him. Matt Castle, I'm sure, will be happy not to get pummeled into the earth. Um, uh, so I am not going to overlook Antonio Brown, and I'm going to take Antonio Brown. Um, because the Seahawks, God bless Doug Baldwin and all the great wide receivers who have come through Seattle, but they have not had a lot of great wide receivers in Seattle. Other than, you know, they finally got DK Metcalf. Tyler Lockett's been good. It seems like they've shored the position up now, but again, this is 10 years ago, or 11 years ago now. So they need the help at wide receiver. And I'm sure Antonio Brown and those slick aqua or whatever, those just horrible jerseys they wore still at this point. Uh, he'll, I think he and Marshawn Lynch, they can really put meat in the seats, those two. I'll tell you, those two are really going to be a fierce tandem. So I like Antonio Brown here for the Seahawks. Uh, not on the draft board. Character concerns. Can't hey, do it. You just know what? He had, he had about seven or eight seasons where character concerns didn't really concern me. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine, though. So uh, so not only do you have to turn around the culture of the St. Louis Rams, Chris, you also have to turn around the culture of the Cleveland Browns. So I'm not going to turn around the culture of the Browns with this pick. <laughs> I'm going to lean into it and go with Indomitian Sue. Yeah. How good a Brown would he have been? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been great. You know what's funny is I, had, I did a mock draft of my own. I had him going to the Raiders because I felt like he was a perfect Raider. <laughs> <laughs> like I felt like he was destined for that franchise. He wasn't good for either of them. Like, but I can't blame him for going to the. I mean, he's he had a really really good start to his career. Then he started stepping on people, and that really didn't help. Um, mm-hmm. But he, uh, I mean, Dave is definitely the more college savvy person, so I know he, I I trust his judgment more. But um, Dave, at, at this time, obviously you were only sixteen years old. Do you remember being surprised about Sam Bradford going number one because he's a quarterback? Or, like, did you think Sue was more deserving? Like, what was the – I don't know about you guys. What was the temperature more at this time? Well, when I – I remember watching the coverage. Sam Bradford was, like, a guarantee to go number one right. because mm-hmm. he was a quarterback and he had, he had all the arm talent. He was relatively mobile. He didn't have all the injury concerns that he did once he came into the league. Um, and Dominican Sue was looked at as definitely a top pick because of his – incredible like footwork he played soccer and that was kind of a big deal when 
when he was on the board because he was just so mobile and athletic for such a big guy and he could penetrate with at either gap, either one or three, wherever he was on the line. So he was always kind of up there, but it was always going to be Bradford one. Was this the worst quarterback draft of all time? It's I'm, I'm, I'm rolling through some more now, and yeah. it's like, well, there's got to be some. No, nope. Like, I didn't have anyone on my first-round list. Sorry, spoilers. Yeah. But. <laughs> Not to spoil my list, too, I had no running backs on my list either because God bless Ryan Matthews, but I didn't put him in my top 32. I'm also snake-bitten by Ryan Matthews because Dave, <laughs> Dave here once bilked me into trading Antonio Brown for Ryan Matthews in fantasy, and I was not happy about it. Uh, I, can, then, I can appreciate that spike grudge. Ryan Matthews also then tore his ACL the next week, so that was great. Um, That'll do. Dave, the Oakland Raiders are on the clock, and you're picking for them. So I had two guys I was thinking about here. I'm going to go with the guy that was a bigger combine star and is probably a bigger name because I, it's the Raiders, I feel like it fits. I'm going to take Eric Berry here. Uh-huh. Uh, had a great career, was absolutely outrageously good, super athletic, could could really – he really did a great job on Gronk. I, I forget when it was. I think it was one of the openers they had years ago. Um, and then he ended up, I think, hurting his Achilles the next game. But uh, he had done a really good job covering Gronk that game. He really kind of did it all and unfortunately just had a lot of – stuff come up in his career and it just shortened it with injuries and he had the lymphoma. It was just a lot of really just tough stuff that wasn't even his fault, but he had such a great career. Yeah. High ceiling. Yeah, for sure. And the Raiders, uh, Raiders took Rolando McLean at this pick in real life. Um, they probably would have been better served if Eric Barry fell to them three picks later, but, uh, Rolando McLean don't remember anything about him except he was once in one of our trivia questions, Dave. <laughs> That's all I know about him. He went to Alabama. That's all I got. Yeah. Um, so I am going to go with – so Eric Berry's off the board. I got two guys in mind, um, but I'm going to go with the guy that I think has been more consistent health-wise. Uh, so to the Buffalo Bills, I'm going to take out of Georgia, Geno Atkins, defensive tackle. Uh, he would end up going to the Bengals many rounds later. It's You know what's ironic about the Bengals, fellas, is that – even in a draft where they draft well, they still took Jermaine Grisham with their with their first round pick later on, like in this round. But what they picked number twenty one, they took Jermaine Grisham at tight end, and then they took Carlos Dunlap and Geno Atkins, who like ended up being fixtures for them. But first, they yeah, need to take the, first they need to take the tight end who's not very great. <laughs> Atkins was what fourth round, like yeah, it's crazy, crazy, and. Probably not the first time we'll be mentioning somebody the Bengals took later in the draft. Um, so, with the Jacksonville Jaguars on the clock, Mr. Chris Mason, you're on the board. If you light somebody up in Jacksonville, but there's nobody here, did it even happen at all? I mean, they're picking Cam Chancellor, but I don't know. Right. <laughs> I don't know if that changes anything for him. It's a good point. Um, well, I can tell you what. He probably changes more for them than Tyson Alualu did. That's fair. I mean, no offense. He's had kind of a renaissance with the Steelers and everything, but, I mean, Cam Chancellor's going to bring the boom. That's all that matters. He is. I mean, that's, that's all I really got to say. I mean, you got two Legion of Boom guys taken in the top ten picks. Come on. Pretty good secondary. I wonder what that does to the future of Seattle. So, like, they don't get those two guys, but they do get – maybe they're more of an offensive team going forward than they are defensive. Like, they focus more on lighting up the scoreboard than they do lighting up their opponents. 
Fascinating. It changed everything. Rewriting history here on the podcast. Uh, Dave, the 49ers are on the board. This is, I think this is where it starts to kind of get tricky. There's a lot of guys you could go with here, a lot of different careers. Um, I am going to go with, I'm going to go with Jimmy Graham just because I think his early career with the Saints was so dominant. Obviously very short tenure or short window of being dominant. He kind of was relegated to very, very limited receiving tight end after his years with New Orleans. But uh, he was so dominant there. And I just don't see a lot of other guys here that that really wow me as far as like the upside that he had with those years. I mean, there's there's a few pass rushers, but uh, I just think that Jimmy Graham's upside those five or six years with the Saints was tremendous. Well, let me tell you what. I think he'll serve them better than Anthony Davis did. He retired early, too. Mm. <laughs> it's just funny that dude's name is Anthony Davis. <laughs> I got a good laugh when I was redoing the research for this. I was like, I don't remember this dude. I don't remember his existence. He went to Rutgers. That's great. Played with Devin McCourty, I guess. But Does he have a unibrow, too? What was it? Does he have a unibrow like Anthony Davis? He might. He might. That's a good question. It is Anthony with, oh, I guess it's an I, but there's another I in it. I can say with one I, but he spells it with an I instead of a Y. That's really the only. Yeah, I mean, there's. I mean, they could probably both be really, really good basketball players. Who knows? You don't. Even, I, I guess that is possible. Um, great. I have to pick for the Chargers. They notoriously draft very well. Um, other than Herbert, they draft great. Um, crap. So I originally had Chancellor going here to the Chargers. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. Um, so I got a few guys here. I was going to go secondary, so I'm going to go secondary anyway. I'm going to take Joe Hayden here out of Florida, cornerback. Uh, he's been consistent. That's the thing I like about him. Uh, he's been a really good player, maybe not elite level, but he's been a damn good cornerback, and I think the Chargers could really use that. He has been solid for a long time. He's been even pretty impactful with Pittsburgh. Like I thought his career was kind of over when he left Cleveland, and then he's been pretty good in Pittsburgh, which surprised me. It's mostly just been durability is the concern with him. He's, yeah. he's got hanged up a lot. That's true. That's true. He's very, he's very weak in the run game, too, on the edge. You so, I'm sorry. You say you get injured injured really well? That's a Charger staple, so I'm glad he's coming here. Yeah, he, he gets injured a lot. Injured easily? <laughs> you belong with San Diego. Uh, Chris, the Philadelphia Eagles are on the board. And they're making an explosive pick. Mm. It's Jason Pierre-Paul. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's someone that I think I think would have been a good eagle. Uh, the funny thing, not not to spoil, maybe potentially Dave's pick or, or later. I actually had the Eagles going with the same person here because I had Pierre Paul going to the Jaguars tenth, so I had the Eagles just taking Brandon Graham anyway because I feel like that marriage has worked out well for them. Um, but I definitely would take Jason Pierre Paul if he was still on the board, which he is at this point. Um, yeah, I, I like that pick a lot. The Eagles taking away Pierre Paul from their division rival, and he would be pretty important to that Super Bowl run, so that'd be doubly great for them. For sure. Dave, right. the Seahawks are back on the board. All right, this one's easy for me. I'm going to take Brandon Graham. He's an absolutely stud pass rusher. He can rush inside or outside. He won the Eagles a Super Bowl uh, getting that strip sack on Brady, but uh, he's just been – it was really weird, his career, too, because the first couple of years, he was kind of looked at as sort of a bust because of, mm-hmm. he didn't have super great uh, production, and the Eagles fans are brutal. But um, 
he ends up getting bumped outside more as an outside rusher, and he dominates for years, and he's been extended like three times in Philly. Uh, it's just been a really awesome career for him. Yeah, I remember that he won the Super Bowl. Thank you. I do remember that. <laughs> yeah. uh, that was unfortunate. Um, all right, so I'm back on the clock for the Giants. I almost wanted to skip the pick because I can't stand them. Um, you know, I, I, I hate that he has so many injury problems. I really do. But I can't let Navarro Bowman sit on the board any longer. Like, the guy, for, even if it was for a short period of time, Navarro Bowman was one of the most electric players in foot, like, electric defensive players in football, especially for that height of that San Francisco-Seattle rivalry. Yeah. And even though he has injury problems and he, he didn't really last that long, I feel like the Giants could have used him, especially for that impending Super Bowl run they went on. Yeah, he was going to be my next pick. That's a, that's a good one. Also, just want to note that that pick that Seattle took, uh, where Dave took Brandon Graham, that's where Earl Thomas went. That's pretty crazy to me. <laughs> yeah. That, that dude and that, fell 14. And I still remember the talk then, too, was Pete Carroll just got on the job there, and Taylor Mays was the combine warrior, and everyone thought he'd take Taylor Mays, and, and then he didn't, and everyone's like, oh, my God, what does that mean about Taylor Mays? Is he not any good? I guess and, not, because I've never heard that guess, name before. Just <laughs> <laughs> just an athlete. Just a, just another guy, as Tony Eason was. He was Taylor made USC, right? Yeah, yeah, I remember that combine. He had a free combine. He's like he was like six three, two hundred fifty, two hundred thirty five pounds as a safety, and he ran like a four four. Jesus, <laughs> absolutely. I would not want to be streaking down the field waiting to see Taylor Mays, but you know what? I guess no team thought that. So, uh, Chris, you're back on the board with the Tennessee Titans picking next. Hmm. Who will the Titans take? They're going to shore up the interior of their offensive line. They're going to go with Marquise Pouncey mm. and take him away from the Steelers two picks early. He's been resilient. Really like Marquise Pouncey. What's his What's his brother's name? The guy that played for the uh, Dolphins. Mike. 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 Yeah. Thank you. Right. Wasn't he involved in the incognito thing? Was he involved in that? The bully gate with what's his name? Was that him? I can't remember now. I don't really remember. Me neither. He's That's, had a lot. I think he's had a lot of questionable things off the field, but he's, I mean, he's a good player, a good football player. I love Marquise Pouncey, though. I mean, he's been so consistent for the Steelers and probably, if not the best, one of the best centers in football. Yeah, he's always in the conversation. Yeah. And it's good to steal him away from those Steelers. They were going to take him at 17, or 18, rather. Those dastardly Steelers. They really took Derek Morgan here, the Titans. He was good for a while, but I don't think he would have given you what Pouncey gave you, that's for sure. No. No, definitely not. Uh, Dave, you're back on the board picking for the Niners, I think again, actually. <laughs> again, again. Um, this will buy you a jersey. I maybe have to. Um, my next pick here, I'm going to take I'm gonna take Everson Griffin. Uh He's just been a dominant pass rusher for way too long to still be on the board. And it's, it's really weird how his career ended in Minnesota. It's just kind of – he was looked at as like a, a building block. He's going to be the whole time of his career. All of a sudden, like, it just, like, peters out and he kind of just gets pushed aside and they, they keep a bunch of other people. Daniel Hunter, obviously, is probably a better player at this point. But um, Griffin may be back. Who knows? But he's been dominant for so long and I, I can't pass, pass him up here. Good pick. 
Yeah, I had Griffin going 20th overall to the Texans, so that was only three picks later. Um, great player, really unheralded on that Vikings defense, and they lost so many players this year that it wasn't going to look the same for them either way. So, uh, good pick. Good pick for uh, for Everson Griffin there. Uh, I always want to call him Everson Griffith, but I don't know why. Uh, next up with the Steelers, that's me. They just have Marquise Pouncey taken away from them, so I'm going to take Russell Okung, who was taken sixth overall in this draft. Uh, originally, the Steelers took Marquise Pouncey here so to get some offensive line help. I'm going to take Russell Okung, who has been who had some really good years. He was a pretty solid fixture of that line for a while. It just kind of sucked that they weren't really that great for a while, and then they turned things around. But Okung was a pretty good player, so if you're looking for offensive line help, I think they can shore it up with Russell Okung. It's a fun name to say, too. It is. It's kind of funny that you see, like, I feel like you don't see that too often where a top 10 guy like is redrafted later in the first round. Yeah. Like where we're at now. I mean, I feel like those guys are either so hit or miss where it's like, Oh, you nailed that one or there's no way he's a first rounder. Right. He was kind of somewhere in the middle, a good player, but maybe not top 10 level player. He's exactly. was good for sure. Good mid to late first round. Yeah. Yeah. Not bad. Um, the Atlanta Falcons, notoriously great drafters of everything, but wide receivers, Chris, uh, who are they taking? Mm-hmm. They're going to take a wide receiver and they're going to go with Manny Sanders. Hey. which a little high, but that longevity speaks to me. I love Manny Sanders. Wish he was a Patriot. There was that brief spell where I thought he might sign with us, and then he got matched, and that was it. Then there was a trade deadline in 2019 where it was Manny Sanders or Mohamed Sanu. Well, I mean, that worked out great for the Patriots. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Mohamed Sanu was fantastic for the Patriots. That second-round pick was so worth it. Oh, God. Uh, well, I can tell you what, he'll probably serve them better than Sean Weatherspoon did at linebacker. Uh, that was their actual pick out of Missouri. Unremarkable. That's all I got about Sean Weatherspoon. Yep. He existed, that's for sure. He played football. Uh, Dave, the Houston Texans. Don't trade the pick. I'm going to... Uh, it's really getting to the nitty-gritty here. I'm going to take a wide receiver here. I'm going to take Demarius Thomas. Yeah. I think he was really good for a long time. Uh, the production kind of outlasted Peyton Manning, although he wasn't at the level he was with Peyton Manning. But few receivers are. We can talk about other Reggie Wayne, <clears throat> cough, cough. But um, <laughs> there's certainly a lot of other players that you could take here. But I think Demarius Thomas's best years were better than the people that are left here. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, he. I had him ranked above Emmanuel Sanders, but they're really 1A, 1B for me. I mean, I love both of them. I, I do agree with what Chris said. I think the longevity is definitely there with Sanders, but I think Thomas probably had better heights, but Sanders had better longevity. That's probably how I would put it. I think that's true. Oh, God, I got a draft of the Bengals. you got to be kidding me. Um, so the Bengals have never had a great offense, haven't had a great offensive line in many, many years. Um I got two guys here. Do I want to go with the one who got taken in the first round? Do I want to go with the one who inexplicably went undrafted? Um, well, I guess maybe not inexplicably, but um, yeah. I'm, uh, damn. Uh, now I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Mikey Upati, uh, the guard out of Idaho. He went to San Francisco. I think it was four or five picks earlier. Um, Love that. Yeah, he's been a great player. Pretty consistent. Uh, relatively healthy, um, and. I mean, just for some reason, just seeing the words guard out of Idaho makes me think he's just an enormous person automatically. Um, and he is. So 
Yes. <laughs> really fits the bill. And they I always need offensive line help in, in Cincinnati because their quarterbacks always get hurt. So maybe they could draft some of those here and there. Anyway, uh, Chris, the Denver Broncos are on the board. They're going to pick Carlos Dunlap. Mm. Uh, that would have been my pick. He was hanging around for too long. Yep, it was, was either gonna... yeah, it was either Iupati or Dunlap for me. That's one of those ones where it's like, don't even care about the Broncos pick, just got to take the best on the board at that point. Yeah, I mean, they originally took, I think it was Demarius Thomas at that pick, so couldn't take him then. He's gone off the board. Um, but, yeah, no, I like that. I like that pick a lot. Um, great player. He's been uh, – the, the Bengals are – I think, Dave, what's the stat that I threw out there? They're one of the two teams in the league where they're two active – they're two all-time sack leaders or active players, Dunlap and, and Atkins, the only other team is Houston. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they actually surprisingly made a good choice picking those two players. They picked them a little late, but they got steals, so good for them. They've been pretty Yeah, they've had some some decent later round picks, but or they or they have Joe Burrow fall on their lap, so you know that happens too. Um, Dave, the Green Bay Packers. So they took Brian Balaga here. Not a bad pick. He's been a pretty good tackle for a long time. But I'm gonna actually reach a, a little bit further down the board. I'm gonna take Victor Cruz because I think he'd be awesome here. I think he would have been awesome with Aaron Rodgers. I think he'd be. He might have even been a Hall of Famer if he played his whole career with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, just the way Randall Cobb was, Cobb was used and the way um, Marquez Val- Valdez-Scantling has been used. I, I think he would have been really good here, so I'm going to take Victor Cruz. Huh. Yeah. he was. Uh, I am going 30th to the Lions, so I can't blame you. Uh, definitely a first-round talent. Uh, it's unfortunate that the that, that injury derailed his career, but a uh, fun player to watch. For sure. You- what was it? Out of UMass, too. That's right. Local guy. <laughs> God bless him. God bless you, Victor Cruz, un- un- until you you know beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. But um, I'm up for the Dallas Cowboys now. Um, well, crap. They took Des Bryant with this pick. Not bad. Not bad. Injury problems, sure, here and there. A little erratic. That's fine. Um, so I like... I like Des Bryant a lot, but I am going to take you – know, Dallas was good offensively, but they did have some defensive problems. So I'm going to go maybe a little off the board here. I'm going to take T.J. Ward. Um, and I, good little safety out of Oregon. He had some pretty good years there in Cleveland. He's been decent in Denver as well, and mm-hmm. Dallas has always had issues on the defensive side of the ball, so they, they could use somebody to kind of shore it up and, and be a, a presence for them. So it might be a little bit of a reach, but I, I like T.J. Ward for the Cowboys. The Denver Broncos, Chris. The Denver Broncos just missed out on Demarius Thomas, mm. so they're going to go with Dez because they still need that wide receiver help. An alternate universe where Des Bryant is a Super Bowl champion with the Denver Broncos. Mm-hmm. I mean, fun player to watch. It. I mean, I think Des caught it. That doesn't matter anymore. Um, I will say it's always been fascinating to me that that whole chain of NFC playoffs was karma 
Because the Lions got screwed against the Cowboys. They should have won. The Cowboys won. The Cowboys then got screwed against the Packers, and they should have won. The Packers then got screwed against the Seahawks, and they should have beat the Seahawks, and then the Seahawks lost to the Patriots. So it's always fascinated me, that whole playoff run. Um, I've always, I still have that play from the Cowboys-Lions game on repeat in my head, that bogus non-pass interference call, still playing on repeat. For whatever reason, I have no interest in either team, but I was so mad the Cowboys got that break, and then they got no breaks after that. Things Brain's happen. a funny thing. <laughs> yeah, really is. Uh, so Des Bryant off the board. Dave, the Arizona Cardinals on the board. So the Arizona Cardinals uh, took Dan Williams at the time of the draft, the defensive tackle out of Tennessee. He was not a hit. Uh, I'm going to take Linval Joseph, mm. a defensive tackle, to fill that spot. Joseph's been really good for a long time. He can really kind of do it all from the in- interior side of the defensive line. You always need those guys to eat up blockers, get pass rush up the middle, push the pocket, stop the run. He does all that, and I, I think he's a real value here late in the first. Look at me. I get the privilege of picking for the Patriots. Wow. Um, Would you like to trade down? or <laughs> <laughs> I, should, I should really take the, the embrace the Belichick-ism and trade down. Um, I'm not going to do that, though, because I actually want to pick with my, my pick here. Um, I'm going to take uh, a guy who is a typical Belichick guy where he's never really made a Pro Bowl or really had a lot of name recognition, but he's been very consistently good for a long time. Uh, and that's Jerry Hughes, the defensive end. for the. Uh, he's currently of the Buffalo Bills. He was not drafted by the Bills. Um, but I like Jerry Hughes a lot. I think he's been, you know, he's been in the league for a long time. He, he's kind of a very you know, good leader, great player, uh, very consistent and if the other player I have for the Patriots doesn't get taken, I'll say it before we uh, sign off here. But I was between Jerry Hughes and, and one other player. But uh, I, I'm, I think I'm okay with Jerry Hughes. I think he'd be a good Belichick player. But then again, who knows what Bill Belichick ever wants. Uh, Chris, the Miami Dolphins are on the board. They're going to go with Rashad Jones. Hey, that was who I had them taken too. There we go. Good player. Kind of unsung. Yeah. Under the radar guy, but good. Sixth round pick, I think, too. Yeah, he was definitely late. Yeah, that's quite the steal. They took Jared Odrick, defensive tackle out of Penn State. Definitely an upgrade. Definitely an upgrade. Uh, So there was that. Dave, the New York Jets. Congratulations. You get to pick for the Jets. Oh, boy. Um... The Jets always seem to struggle with the offensive line ever since they stopped paying guys. Like, they brought in Fanica and Woody, uh, fill up the offensive line when they had Mark Sanchez early on in their career. And that team was ground and pound, controlled the ball, protected the QB. Ever since then, they've kind of struggled. So I'm going to take Brian Balaga here, nice. take the best left tackle or best tackle on the board. I'm just noticing, by the way, uh, Chris, when you took. Des Bryant, 25th. Are you sure you didn't want to take Tim Tebow? <laughs> Pretty sure. Okay. All right. I just want to make sure because I know he was still on the board. That's who mm-hmm. they took originally. I just want to make sure because, I mean, I know the guy was a stud. Might save your soul, but not going to win you many football games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I am up with the Detroit Lions who had two first-round picks. Uh, they took J- uh, Javid Best out of California who, again, I'm not a big college football guy, but I'm pretty sure he had injury problems before this, too. 
Big concussion issues, yeah. yeah. So that probably not the smartest pick. Um, but they instead are going to take somebody who ended up with them anyway, and that's Golden Tate, uh, the wide receiver out of Notre Dame. I've always liked Golden Tate. Um, another guy that slipped through the Patriots' fingers, and he went he hysterically went to the Giants because he wanted to go to a team that could win, and that team has been terrible since he signed there. So. Uh, you know what? That sucks. But uh, I wish Golden Tate was a Patriot. I've always liked him. I've always liked his game. And I think if you're taking uh, whoever, you know, Devin McCourty and Golden Tate in the first round, that's a pretty good haul. Yep, I had him going there too. Yeah, that's a pretty good haul right there. Golden Tate and Devin McCourty. Hell yeah. That could turn things around Detroit. <laughs> sucks to suck though. Uh, Indianapolis, Chris, the second to last pick of the first round. I'm going to go with a change of scenery guy. You know, maybe if his career played out somewhere else, he would have been healthier. He'd be able to stay on the field. Because Dallas obviously ain't it. We're giving the Colts Sean Lee. We're going to see, you know, what he can do somewhere else. Because I think he's a super talented dude, but just is always hurt. Sean Lee was the guy I had also going to the Patriots. That was the other guy I thought could be a great Patriots player. I would have loved to see him on the Patriots. Yeah, man. He just needs to stay healthy. Yeah. Yeah, he's always had issues with that, unfortunately. Uh, but Indianapolis, yeah, I could see him going there and having a great career. Um, I agree. I don't know if it just hasn't worked out with Dallas. I mean, you could say that about a lot of players, too. Uh, just didn't work out with Dallas. Um, but they could use them. I mean, they were in the Super Bowl this year, so add a nice nice piece like Sean Lee to your team, and you could be golden. Dave, the last pick of the round. Uh, there's not much left to pick from here. Um, nope, I got three guys left on my board. <laughs> four guys, actually. Four. I'm going to go defense here. Uh, I'm going to take Sam Shields. Yeah. Played corner for a long time for the Packers. Yep. Really good ball skills. Um, unfortunately, he had some really tough concussion problems towards the end of his career and kind of shortened his career, but uh, he was really good for a long time. And Saints, the way they pass, always get seem to get, until the last couple of years, really huge passing numbers put against them. So I'm going to take Shields here. Yeah. He's one of the three left on my board, too. Yep. I only have three guys left on my board. Uh, I have Eric Decker, wide receiver. Uh, I have Alteron Werner, whose name I just like a lot, but also he was decent for a little while. And uh, somehow he went undrafted. I'm assuming it's because he's out of the Army, but that is Alejandro Villanueva, the he offensive was on board tackle, too. Uh, who has, who's now a very important piece of that Pittsburgh line. Uh, but those are only the three guys I had on my board. That was it. Everybody else got taken. Yeah, I had... Um, those two and then Kareem Jackson yeah Kareem Jackson too he was a good player he was a good player um, Houston actually made a good pick that time yeah, but I don't think he would have been a uh, maybe went a little bit high but still a decent pick by the Texans they'll never outdo themselves with Deshaun Watson though unfortunately nope. if he wants to leave town though that's on them um, but that is that is the the top overall pick was Rob Gronkowski I can't argue that I mean he might be the best tight end of all time um Dave's first pick was Devin McCourty, cornerback, and I just went with Gerald McCoy back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because he's had a great career with them or had a great career with them and then left. But you know what? I can't fault it. But um, Chris, thank you very much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed yourself. It was a fun time for us. I did. Look at these notes. So, <laughs> Those are great. Right there. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, we'll have to have you back on sometime, either maybe to start a Red Sox season or something like that, you know, when we're – I'm, I'm still commiserating the Mookie Betts trade. 
I'm still not happy about it, still very angry. But you know what? At least we can commiserate with Cleveland fans now because they also traded their best player away. Yeah, and the Mets are like a real team now. I know, right? I mean, I don't know enough about prospects to know what the haul was for Francisco Lindor, like how good it was, but I know how good Francisco Lindor is. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) I mean, that's all I need to know. I think Roscoe's like a throwing in that deal where you're like, yeah, I will take that contract. (laughs) Yeah, like, oh, wait, really? You want to throw this on me? I mean, I don't know, but he's also a great pitcher. Um, But, yeah, the the Mets are a real team, and the Red Sox are a team. I can say that. They're a team. They are in Major League Baseball. I can assure you of that. <laughs> but, uh, Chris, thank you for joining us. Where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ByChrisMason. And I would say, it, I mean, at Gillette next year, hopefully, you know, we got fans and run to me in the concourse and I'll be around there. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Twitter, ByChrisMason, anything on MassLive.com. And uh, thanks for having me on, guys. That was fun. Of course, of course. I'll have to have you back on. Dave, where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me at David underscore Albiani on Twitter. Everything else is – I'm not there. That's right. Dave's not on Facebook, Instagram, any of those other platforms. He's like the Bill Belichick of this podcast. He's not on any other platform except – well, he's not on any platform. But I don't, I don't do Snapface. Sorry. That's right. Dave just does Twitter. He doesn't do anything else. Um, I'm at Jacob underscore Morocco. This podcast is at CSL Podcast on Twitter. You can find us at CSLpodcast.com as well. Dave and I have our, our playoff predictions coming at you over the next couple days. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, we'll have some other stuff dropping uh, soon, so check that out. We're marching towards episode 200. Next week, our buddy Brandon Maxwell is coming on. We're doing some movies and TV talk for 2021. And then we're heading headlong into our two-part MCU discussion. So uh, stick around then. We'll see you guys, and uh, stay safe out there.